Do you believe in miracles? Do you need a miracle? During his earthly ministry, Jesus touched and transformed the lives of so many people that the libraries of the world would not have room for the books that could be written. The four Gospels record 37 of Jesus' miracles, of which eight are found in John's Gospel as signs that point to Jesus Messiah. I'm talking about the wedding miracle, the long-distance miracle, the poolside miracle, the lunch miracle, the perfect storm miracle, the blind man miracle, the Lazarus miracle, and the second chance miracle. In these supernatural moments, you will discover the truth and the power to believe in Jesus Messiah. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. What about you? Do you believe in miracles? Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Today, we begin an exciting journey through the eight miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. These are called sign miracles because like a sign, they point to something. In this case, they point to Jesus being the Messiah, the only begotten Son of the living God. Today's message comes your way next. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message from John chapter 20, titled, Do You Believe in Miracles? Well, the year was 1980. And uh, you do the math, I was a 17-year-old high school student when it happened. They called it the Miracle on Ice. Do you remember this? There was a movie made about it, and I'm referring to the time when the United States Olympic hockey team beat the Russians in the semifinals of the Winter Games in Lake Placid, New York. Wow, it takes me way back to the Olympic Games in Lake Placid, New York. And this unexpected victory over the Russians happened during the height of the Cold War, which made the victory all the sweeter, at least for the Americans. And you don't have to be a, a hockey fan or a sports fan to kind of get into this story. In fact, Hollywood uh, made a movie about it, and they titled the movie Miracle. And uh, this was all about the United States hockey team that was the seventh seed in a 12-seed tournament, 13 days before the start of the Olympics, the U.S. team, believe it or not, lost to the Russians in a hockey game that looked more like a baseball game. It was 10 to 3 in an exhibition match held in Madison Square Garden. And after that exhibition match, nobody gave the uh, U.S. hockey team a, a lick of hope that they would beat the Russians, let alone go on to, to win medals in the Olympics. Uh, but after they did, names like Jim Craig and Mike Arruzzioni became household names. And so did uh, Herb Brooks, the legendary coach that motivated his players to perform at their peak level uh, during that, uh, that, that game and that tournament. Uh, Herb Brooks was said to have said, you were born to be hockey players. He said, you were meant to be here. This is your moment. And some of you may remember, too, that it was Al Michaels of ABC Sports that called the play-by-play. -play. And just seconds before uh, the game was over, uh, he, he with irrational exuberance shouted, do you believe in miracles? Yes! 
And uh, wow, what a moment it was. And into the record books, the United States Olympic hockey team went. Well, with all due respect to the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team and to their victory over the Russians, do you mind if I say that that was not a miracle? <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, it was an incredible sporting event. Uh, it, it was one where one team beat the odds and went into the record books, but, but it wasn't a miracle. Despite, you know, Al Michaels' irrational exuberance, do you, it wasn't a miracle. Let me tell you what a miracle is and what a miracle was. It was a miracle when Jesus turned the water into wine. That was a miracle. It was a miracle when Jesus healed a nobleman's son. It was a miracle when Jesus healed a man who had been sick for 38 years and couldn't walk. It was a miracle when Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families with a few loaves of bread and a handful of fishes. It was a miracle when Jesus walked on the water and arrived at his disciples' boat in the middle of that storm. It was a miracle when Jesus restored sight to a blind man's eyes. It was a miracle when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember that amazing story in John chapter 11? And it was a miracle when Jesus gave Peter and the other disciples a second chance after they had been fishing all night long and didn't catch anything, and Jesus said, why don't you cast your nets on the other side? It was a miracle when those those fish swam into that net when the disciples came back with empty nets. Those are the miracles. I mean, the true miracles. It's not a miracle when the United States Olympic hockey team beats the Russians. It's a fabulous sporting event, but it's not a miracle. It's not a miracle when you find a parking spot at the shopping mall on a busy Saturday afternoon. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing, but it's, it's not what we would categorize as a miracle. Well, today I'm beginning this brand new series of messages titled Believe. It's, it's on the miracles of Jesus. And did you know that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record 37 supernatural events, miracles we call them in the life of Jesus. John records eight of them. He records eight of them as what he calls sign miracles, miracles that, like a sign, point you to something. It points you to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, John says, we have life. And we're going to begin today a study of those uh, eight sign miracles found in the Gospel of John. Now, we kind of say, as I've already alluded to, that everything today is a miracle. Um, a hockey game, you know, the parking spot at the mall and other things like it. But it begs the question, what, what is a miracle? And for a moment, I just want you to go with me into the, the scholarly world for a moment, because there have been some very, very good Bible and trusted Bible scholars that have weighed in on this question. Norm Geisler is uh, one of them. And I have a big, thick book in my library called The Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics. Yeah, it's a snoozer unless you're a pastor and you like to read these kinds of things. And Geisler has a really good section in there on miracles. He says, a miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the natural course of events. He says it's a divine intervention, a supernatural exception. Now, Geisler goes on to say, to expand on this definition, we need some understanding of what is meant by natural law. 
He says, broadly, a natural law is a general description of the usual orderly way in which the world operates. It follows, then, that a miracle is an unusual, irregular, specific way in which God acts within the world. Are you still with me? Okay. You got that so far? I was also interested to read about a guy named Anthony Flew. He's a famous atheist. He also had a view on miracles. He said, a miracle is something that never would have happened had nature, as it were, been left to its own devices. Now, is it possible to be an atheist and believe in miracles or to believe in miracles and to be an atheist? Uh, D. James Kennedy, who wrote a book called Skeptics Answered many years ago, uh, he asked this question, isn't the disbelief in the supernatural when followed to its logical conclusion simply a statement of atheism? And it is. You may be here today and you say, you know, I love the moral teachings of Jesus and, uh, you know, they just inspire me to be a better person. But all that miracle stuff in the Bible, I'm not so sure about that. And D. James Kennedy would question that. Isn't the disbelief in the supernatural when followed to its logical conclusion simply a statement of atheism? And he's on to something there. Herbert Lockyer has written a book called All the Miracles of the Bible. I love how he's chronicled all the miracles from Genesis all the way through Revelation in uh, one, one source. And, and Herbert Lockyer says that deniers of the miraculous are sort of like the poor. They're always among us. And, and it, it's true. And you may be here today, and you say, I, I'm not really on board with all that miracle stuff that I read about in the Bible. Okay, stick with us over these next several weeks. Others of you may be here, and you say, I have no problem believing in the miraculous. I have no problem with the first 10 words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, I'm with you. I have no problem with the first 10 words either, and the rest of it all naturally falls into place. It was really during the 20th century that uh, some theologians and, you know, what they called higher critics in the church began to challenge the supernatural claims of the Bible. Uh, they felt that it was their job to kind of reinterpret the Old and New Testament. They, they called it demythologizing the Bible. And if they had their way, they would take a penknife and cut every supernatural reference out of the Bible and just, you know, focus on the moral truisms of the Scripture. And in doing so, you know, they, they caused a lot of ruckus during the 20th century. I'm not so sure that in our postmodern world we have as great of a challenge in convincing people, even, even Christian theologians, the liberal ones, as to whether or not the miraculous works of Jesus and all of the Bible actually took place. In our postmodern world, our challenge is more to get people to think biblically about these things. Because Hollywood is all over the supernatural. I mean, the television series and movies and uh, books that are being published out there. Our generation, our postmodern culture, really engages with supernatural things, but we're not always thinking biblically about them. And so part of my goal in this series is to, is to root our understanding of the miraculous in Scripture, the supernatural works of God, to root our thinking not in Hollywood, but in the pages of Scripture, and to make sure we think like Christians should think, like biblical Christians should think about uh, the miracles that we find in Scripture. And with that in mind, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is in the beginning of the, the birth of the early church, and this is a good place for us to start. And you may remember on the day of Pentecost that the Apostle Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 people miraculously came to faith in Jesus Christ on that day. I say miraculously because I remember my first sermon 
and about three people came up afterwards and offered sympathy. There wasn't anything like, you know, 3,000 people that, you know, trusted in Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, you know, Peter preaches this, this sermon, and you can read the full text of his sermon in Acts chapter 2, but in verse 22, he says these words, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Uh, this tells us that the disciples knew without a shadow of a doubt. They had no question about the fact that Jesus performed miracles. They were there. They were eyewitnesses to his events. I always find it interesting that those of us 20 centuries or 21st, 21 centuries later are questioning what the eyewitnesses who were there said and recorded. We weren't there, but they were, and they wrote down what they saw. They were eyewitnesses. And then Peter says, Jesus did all these things as you yourselves know as if to say it was common knowledge back then that Jesus performed these miracles. And some of these people on whom he performed these, they're, they're, they're right over here. Some of you are among them. We were all eyewitnesses to these things. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, sign up for our free monthly resource, Something Good Digital Magazine. Each month, you'll receive sermon videos, audio messages, and Ron's on-air answers to some of life's toughest questions, all delivered right to your inbox. Subscribe today at somethinggoodradio.org. Well, when you study the miracles of Jesus, there are four things, four big ideas you should look for during the journey. Ron shares them now in the rest of today's message, Do You Believe in Miracles? Let's join him. I want you to circle three words in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, the word miracles, the word wonders, and the word signs. In the Bible, there's not a, a single wasted word and every word has meaning. And I want to build some thoughts around um, this message today and this introduction to this series around miracles, wonders, and signs, those three words, plus a fourth one, the word believe, which gives us our title to this series. And I want to suggest three or four things that, that I want us to get out of this series over the next eight or nine weeks, three or four things that we should expect in a study of the miracles of Jesus. Number one, we should expect to reconnect to the power of God. And that's contained in that word miracles. The word in Acts 2, verse 22, translated miracles, speaks of the power of God displayed in the works of Jesus. We're talking about the divine energy that flowed through him into a particular event and performed a miracle. In the Greek language, that word miracle is the word dunamis, and it's where we get our English word dynamite. And so imagine the, the, the wonder-working power of God flowing through the Lord Jesus Christ into these situations. Now, everywhere we look around us, there's uh, some evidence of power. Uh, we're standing in a room that is powered by electricity. 
I mean, think of the surge of electrical power that it takes to power cities like New York and L.A. and Chicago. And today we have all kinds of power. We have solar power, wind power, nuclear power. We have hydroelectric power. Just a few months ago, I was in Nevada and visited the Hoover Dam. You ever been there? I mean, just the, the hydroelectric power that is generated in that place is really quite amazing and it's quite stunning. You go into the business world and business people talk about empowering their employees. Motivational speakers tell us to not lose our personal power. You go up the road to Washington, D.C., and you'll run into political power in the halls of Congress and other places. Uh, attorneys write out documents called powers of attorney. So there are, there's power everywhere. There are all kinds of people seeking for power, wanting to, uh, to hold power and grasp power in some way, but none of it. None of those expressions of power come close to the power of God. The power of God displayed in the works of Jesus. Think of Genesis chapter 1 when God spoke the worlds into existence. His Word is so powerful, He can say, let there be light, and light appears. And just with His words, He spoke the worlds into existence according to the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. You fast forward in your Old Testament to the ministry of Moses. Remember Moses and uh, the, the display of God's power before Pharaoh as Moses came and said, let my people go. You go on a little bit further into the Old Testament and to the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. Do you remember the powerful display of, of God's power on Mount Carmel when Elijah took on the prophets of Baal? There were 450 prophets of Baal. And there was a showdown on Mount Carmel, and it was 450 to 1, and the powerful display of, of God's, God's fiery power came down and defeated the prophets of Baal. You go into the New Testament, and uh, you find uh, the power of God flowing through Jesus' ministry. You would expect that if He was Messiah, because the Old Testament prophecies concerning Messiah said that the he would heal the lame and the blind would see and so forth. There was one day that Jesus was with his disciples and there was a crowd of people uh, reaching out to him and grabbing him and, you know, he was trying to make his way through the crowd and, and suddenly somebody reached up, a woman reached up and just touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? I thought that was always kind of a strange thing. What do you mean, who touched you, Jesus? There's a crowd of people all around you. They're all grabbing at you and touching you. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And this woman who had a blood disease for years and years, had sought all kinds of doctors for help, was instantaneously healed. Jesus felt the power flow from him. You know, the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. And there's no miracle that trumps all the miracles more than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a powerful display of the power of God in the resurrection. And we bank our faith on the power of God raising Jesus from the dead. Well, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And the power of God, a study of the miracles of Jesus, hopefully will reconnect us to the power of God. Where do you need the power of God at work in your life? If we were to go around the room, you could testify to needing it in a lot of ways. I mean, just, just to live this thing called the Christian life successfully. The reason the Holy Spirit is deposited in our life at the moment of salvation is because we don't have the power to live this Christian life successfully. We need to draw upon the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to do so. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Do You Believe in Miracles? is part of Ron's series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Look for it under the resource tab at somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can achieve God's will for our lives without a little help. And today, with your help, Ron will continue to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ through Something Good Radio. When you partner with us, we'll send a few welcome gifts your way including our monthly special offers, plus a free subscription to Something Good devotional magazine. To join the 828 Club today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love to send you the complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now, Believe, the Miracles of Jesus. In this outstanding nine-message series, Dr. Ron Jones takes us through all eight of Christ's miracles as recorded in the Gospel of John. That's Believe, the Miracles of Jesus, our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. If you're a brand new listener, we'd like to welcome you to the Something Good Radio family with a special gift, a free copy of the latest issue of Something Good Devotional Magazine. Receive your free copy by going to somethinggoodradio.org and click on the New Listener button. And Jesus knew that this 
that miracles and signs and wonders didn't always produce deep faith. In fact, again, in the Bible, we believe and then we see. As adults who have a hard time believing, we want to see and then we believe. And Jesus isn't always willing to show us the sign just to be the, perf the, the performer of miracles out there. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us in, in uh, Mark's gospel that he wasn't able to perform miracles in his own hometown of Nazareth uh, because they rejected him. He, he had to limit the miracles there. And he didn't go back to Nazareth very often. In fact, when they rejected him, he, j he just kind of moved on because he knew even if he performed miracles there, their hearts were so hardened toward him, they, they weren't going to believe. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Do You Believe in Miracles? Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.